Welcome everyone to our Sunday service here in the Temple of Light at Ananda Village. I am Nayaswami Pranaba, and with me is Nayaswami Parvati. It's a joy to have you with have you with us, and in this blessing circumstance, I'd like to read to you from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda with commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. Today's topic is perfection is self-transcendence. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. We begin this week with a passage from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. If you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what you more than others? Do not even pagans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. This teaching is a continuation of last week's lesson. To love all equally is possible only by seeing God everywhere, in others as well as in oneself. See whatever comes to you unasked, unasked for as a manifestation of His will. Be grateful for the pains you experience, for they are healing strokes of His love. Sometimes healing is affected only by strong measures, but His love for you is manifested in the very attempt to heal. Strive always to be impersonal, as though whatever happens to you were happening to someone else. Persecution gives us the supreme opportunity to deny the thought, this is happening to me, and to affirm our inner freedom from the thought of ego. Don't allow the negative perception of others to become your own self-definition. Seek God. This is the true goal of life, though how difficult to cling to it in the midst of hatred, spite, and persecution. The Bhagavad Gita tells us in the seventh chapter, out of thousands, one strives for spiritual attainment, and out of many blessed true seekers who strive assiduously to reach me, one, perhaps, perceives me as I am. O truth seeker, be one among all those thousands who seeks the supreme goal. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. I also would like to welcome you to Sunday service here at Ananda Village. And I'll begin this morning by reading from Whispers from Eternity. Yogananda's beautiful book of prayer demands. Satisfy my soul hunger, O all-pervading spirit. The breeze of thy inspiration has removed every cloud from my heart. The firmament of my mind is now clear. Purified, I behold only thee everywhere. 
the sunshine of thy joy spreads rapidly to the farthest to the farthest shores of my being after long ages of hunger i feed on thy light by thy grace and by my constant wakefulness in thee may this joy be mine forever forever and forever so this topic of be ye therefore perfect is as uh, Jesus Christ was good at doing in his time, is a real challenge. It's not just uh, a nice idea. He's saying, do it. It's a commandment. And uh, it's interesting because in that commandment, it means that he is saying to each one of us who really want to know God, that we need to, to rise up to put out energy, if that's ever going to be a reality for us. And it is our spiritual destiny. So it is our reality on one level, but we must uh, be able to take this uh, challenge and this commandment very seriously. And so that we rise to the occasion, that we really put out energy in that way. Um, the other part of this is that we can't be perfect as our Father in Heaven is perfect without shaking off the delusions which are very strong. We're in a physical body, we're in a material world, and these delusions of that's what you are, we have an ego to deal with, and the delusion that that's what you are, and that's all that you are, is very, very strong. And so for each of us to realize that we, we must put out also the energy to shake that, to transform that, and to affirm our reality as a child of light. Because in reality, and this is why the masters come, why Yogananda came as an avatar, was to say, wake up. You're not that ego. You're not that only that physical body and that personality. You're something much, much greater than that. And so with that, we start to, and as the, the science of yoga says, there's a word, smriti, and we start to remember who and what we really are. And so in that remembering, then, and it takes time, it takes lifetimes, if we're looking at it in that way, which we need to, it takes time for us to really wake up completely to that reality. And then the last element of that, which is important to remember as we're trying to understand how to deal with this commandment from Jesus, is that we can't do it on our own. In other words, this little ego of ours will say, oh, okay, well, I can do that, I'll, I'll deal with that. But that isn't how it works. And uh, it only can happen through God's grace. So we're in a very interesting situation when we're dealing with this commandment and really with being on the spiritual path at all in that we need to not only put out tremendous energy 
to raise our energy up, the com- to meet the commandment at all, be thou perfect, uh, and know, to, know that it's a commandment. It wakes us up. Oh, wow. So we need to put out tremendous energy, but then it has to be refined. We have to understand how we're using that energy. And so we move into that gradual awakening to our own reality as a child of light, that we're part of that divine. So when Jesus is saying this, be thou for perfect, therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect, it's like, at first, it's like, what? (laughs) How can I possibly match that consciousness? But again, this was a commandment of Jesus. It wasn't just a nice idea, and by the way, you might like to try to be perfect. It was saying, do it. And so we find that over time, again, as we put out the right kind of, and this is where the, the understanding, the quality of attunement comes in. Because without attunement, we can't really understand how, how to understand that we're part of that light, that we're children of light. Because again, with ego consciousness, the ego comes in and says, oh, I'm a child of light, me. (laughs) And that's not it at all. We lose it completely if we go in that direction. So these three elements need to work together. The commandment, we put out energy. The second phase, where we're starting to wake up to our reality as a child of God. And the third phase, where we realize we must have, and this is what we must have, the grace of God to fulfill that reality. And so it's a very interesting uh, process that we go through. But just imagine what Jesus was doing in his lifetime. He'd already uh, dispersed the money changers out of the temple. So in other words, challenging the status quo of the time, he was amazing in that way, fearless, courageous, incredibly loving, dynamically loving, and with a divine love that said the truth must come out. And so the first phase is you are, you need to be perfect because you're from your Father. You're one with that Father which is in heaven. That's how that can happen. And then that idea that he was saying, and in that realization, that's how you're going to be able to do the things that he suggests, which to the ego are really strange. Love my enemies, bless them that curse me, that are doing me harm. I'm going to pray for them and give them love. Wow not as an ego, but as a child of God. We have to, to fulfill this commandment, we have to have inner communion with the divine. Otherwise, we can't do it. And when we say we, we're still speaking from ego at that point. And so we have to 
have inner communion which comes in meditation. And I'd like to read you just one little sentence that Swami Kriyananda put in one of the commentaries in regard to inner communion. And I want to read it because it's important to have it be very clear. In inner communion, God enters into the heart and makes us his own. In inner communion, God enters into the heart and makes us his own. And that's the connection. That's where we seal that connection. And again, over time, but that's where we seal that connection that makes this commandment a reality for us. Otherwise, as an ego, we can't do it. But when God makes us his own in inner communion in our heart, then we know we can. We know we're on our way to becoming one with that divine. And I've always loved the phrase out of the Bible, it's through the washings and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And that is how this process happens. That's how we gain little by little, step by step, that ability to immerse ourselves completely in that divine consciousness, in that light. We're children of that light. We've been a long time away from it. We've forgotten that reality. We've, we've forgotten how to, how to commune with God in that way. But as we pick that up again, and that means when we enter into the spiritual path in a serious, committed way, then we're on our way to remembering how to do that. Meditation is essential to that. Inner communion, where God can come into our heart and make us his own again and again, the washings and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And that's how that process happens. So I've always really appreciated that vision that Yogananda had and it's in the autobiography, either there or in the New Path, but I believe it's in the autobiography, where he has a vision of being in a hot, dusty marketplace and just a normal marketplace in India with all the trade that's going on and the people connecting with each other and the loud noises, all the different levels of consciousness that happen there, some rude, some crude, some loving, some... Uh, more uplifted, but all the different energies that are happening there. And that he sees people every so often in front of him, because he's viewing this in a vision, and he sees a person look behind where he's standing and look longingly and say, oh, oh, look at that, but it's much too high for me. And then they turn around and go back to the busy, dusty marketplace. And then another person does that. And finally, Yogananda thinks, I need to turn around and see what what are they seeing? And so he turns around and sees off in the distance, in the mountains, the the vision and the view of a beautiful garden, lush, water, uplifted, all of that. And he, he looks at it as longingly as others have done. 
And then there starts to be that thought, oh, but it's much too high for me. And he, he stops that. And he says, no, I long for that. And what I need to do is put one foot in front of the other. No matter how long it takes, I need to start that journey. And that's the spiritual journey for all of us. So we're looking at a long distance run, as we all know. And uh, uh, sometimes it takes a number of lifetimes for us to come on the spiritual path in a way that really is more complete and one where we are more deeply committed. But as we do that, we find that those realities and that blessing and that grace of the divine, in other words, it's not a long distance run where the goal is only getting through it, the 26 and a half miles or whatever a, a long distance run is. But there's, there's encouragement, there's unfolding along the way spiritually that keeps us moving, that keeps us unfolding to our deepest reality as a child of light. Now, I've also been thinking about naturally the unusual time that we're in and just thinking I had I've had this image and maybe it's because we're here in the mountains and I love the ocean and I've been thinking about waves about ocean water and all of that and I grew up in Southern California in Los Angeles and we went to the beach quite often on the weekends and so I was familiar with it and got familiar with waves and how to deal with that and all of that and I remember as a kid you know you'd you'd look out at the waves and you'd think oh I don't know uh, and then you just get hit by a wave you wouldn't in other words you wouldn't know how to deal with it and so uh, what I learned as I grew up was how to deal with those waves and how to have fun with them how to really not just get bowled over by them. And so what happens is that with waves, there's, there's basically three options. One, you stand there and get creamed. <laughs> the next one is that if you surf or body surf, you can ride the wave. You can be in the energy of the wave. And as a, on a surfboard, you're even on top of the water. So you're riding the wave. But there's always the thing that you have to be able to pull out of that wave. You have to know when that moment is, and you have to pull out of it safely. But there's a third way that I, as a, as a kid, tuned into, and I really enjoy this image. And this is where you dive under the wave. Because there's usually a lot of water there, and if you catch it before that you get caught in the, the curl of the wave, you can just dive under it and, uh, and miss all that, all that tumult, all that action that's happening. And, uh, and sometimes you just dunk down. Sometimes you'll feel the tumult on your head, but you're not bowled over by it. You're not disturbed by it. And also it's important to know that waves usually come in sets. So even if you dive under one, you have to be prepared for the next one that may be coming. 
and it may be fairly large. When you're in the water and a wave is five feet high, that's pretty tall. <laughs> and so there can be this fear. But if you understand how to do it, you can flow with that. And I thought, you know, the waves are like, I'm just going to use this as the image that came to me. The waves are like what's happening in the world today. There is a lot of tumult. There is a lot of action. And it's all different kinds, kind of like in that marketplace that Yogananda was in. All different kinds of consciousness, all different kinds of reactions to what's happening in the world. Everything going. And it can be chaotic, it can be disturbing, it can be stressful, fearful. But we don't have to stay in that part of the wave. We can dive underneath. And that, to me, is when we understand how to go deeper, one, in meditation. And it's not that you need to go super deep, but you need to meditate. And that diving into that ocean, it's the ocean of spirit. And so we can dive into that where, yes, there, we know there's the tumult going on, but we're able to go through that in a better way and not get so uh, pulled out of ourselves. I, I just have been feeling personally that this is an important time in our lives, spiritually. And uh, here at the village, I know we're, we're far away from being in the city. It's very quiet here. Um, we don't have to face a lot of those different kinds of uh, consciousness. But even so, I think for all of us, as we're able to go underneath and go in, dip into that ocean of spirit, both in meditation, in inner communion, as well as outwardly, to really keep that in our consciousness, to spend time, in other words, with the divine, really, with God, and with Divine Mother. You know, when I thought about this element that's needed, to really um, uh, take this commandment and go with it, be therefore perfect, and the energy that's needed, I also thought that 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 element of attunement is also really important right now. So when we're going deep, going into spirit, spending time with God, we need to keep our awareness expanded. We need to be aware of what people are going through in a way that we're giving energy, giving light into that, giving God's blessings. And really, um, in other words, being a channel for light, not to, not to dive and hide and, and that kind of uh, experience, but really to allow that, that energy of the divine to uh, flow through us and out. You know, I was thinking, we talk about Divine Mother and there's, there's a name that a lot of people uh, don't particularly relate to, and it may be even why they don't want a spiritual name, Jagadamba. It's a mouthful, Jagadamba. But do you know what it means? Jagat Amba. Jagat is world, Amba is mother. And so Jagadamba is the world mother. And I don't know, I just, I offer that. It felt like a, a very um, a nice aspect and maybe important aspect to
to relate to the Divine Mother as the Jagadamba, the World Amba, the World Mother, and to really attune to what's trying to happen in this time in bigger ways. In other words, we're facing uh, stark realities and uncertain realities, and uh, everybody's, not everybody, but many people are, are stopped. They don't have jobs. They're staying at home. They need to be careful, all of that. And, and just to try to attune to why that's happening, what's the importance of it, and what are the spiritual opportunities presented to us in this moment in time? What, how can we gain from this spiritually? Because I remember, and you may remember as well, Swami Kriyananda said that when he lived in San Francisco at around 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning, it was much easier to meditate because everyone was asleep. And generally, there was a much deeper feeling of quietness. And that's kind of in one way, although I know there's tumult, uh, but that's kind of what's happening right now. And so I invite you to really explore what the spiritual opportunities are to go deeper in this time. I myself have been feeling that. The time, because we are here out uh, at the village and we're not near any towns really at all, 15 miles to Nevada City, um, it's felt to me somewhat, it's reminded me somewhat of the 1970s here, where people had, not, not everybody had a car. Going to town was a big deal. Um, now going to town is not an option even. <laughs> but, uh, but at any rate, and the reason I'm saying that is because I feel a vibration of simplicity from all of that. And it just reminds me of uh, perhaps that's eventually in the decades to come, that's where we're headed, is into a simpler time, not a, not a, a going back to primitive things. It's, a, it's in a, a higher way, but a similar time where we're uh, just simplifying our lives. And uh, nice to feel that we can gain from that opportunity that perhaps the Divine Mother and God and Master and Swami are offering to us in this time. That grace is essential for all of this. We have to raise our energy up to be able to receive God's grace. It won't just come otherwise if we remain the same. So we must lift our energy point between the eyebrows, lift our consciousness to receive that grace more completely. And I wanted to close by just uh, saying Swami Kriyananda many years ago uh, wrote a second verse to the song Amazing Grace. And it's a little unusual, but I found it very touching in my own life. And so I wanted to share it with you since I don't think it's out there very broadly. This is the second verse, so the first well-known verse has already happened. Twas grace that taught 
my heart to bear the grace he gave to me my savior's love was ever there i was bound but now i'm free um, and wonderful spending this time with you all